drive time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Tuesday, June the 21st. 2022 in the month dedicated celebrating giving God praise for the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and it's going to be a great month for that very reason alone now we're going to have a great show today in fact we talked we talked about this I don't know two weeks ago or something like that but rumors are flying again on whether or not His Holiness Pope Francis will in fact announce his retirement So much so that uh, certain former Fox News journalists, television personality, Megyn Kelly, uh, is at the Vatican on vacation, seemingly, hanging out with her fam. And uh, she sees cardinals walking around everywhere, and she's like, this has got to mean something. And then some random priest walks out into the Sistine Chapel and starts blessing people. And she's like, this is a big sign. This must mean something. So we're going to. We're going to dive into that story. There are a lot of a lot of rumors, actually. It's uh, it's very interesting to be to say the least. But Edward Penton is going to be on to catch us up on the rumor mill at the Vatican. But more than just that, I would say more importantly than than the rumor mill coming out of Rome is uh, this uh, sort of scandal that's brewing over there. There was a same-sex blessing at a holy mass under the approval of Cardinal Zuppi, who's just recently been named head of the Italian bishops. That story is swirling. Uh, Edward Penton's going to catch us up on that. And there's a lot more as well. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that. Uh, the Speaking of uh, same-sex uh, issues, here in Chicago... There was uh, a a gay couple who was allowed to give the homily at a holy mass. Okay, that's not even allowed just in general, let alone all the other implications of that problem. We'll jump into that at 15 past the hour, so lots to cover. Hey, there's a new Israeli study co-authored by seven doctors. They have concluded that male fertility is reduced after the the injection pandemic-related issue thing. Yeah, you, you, you can connect the dots. Hey, Disney-owned Pixar's latest animated film, Lightyear, was expected to blast off last weekend, but ended up failing and falling way short of box office expectations. But the far left can't seem to figure out why. Must be the audience. It's all their fault. Huh. We may talk about that in this show today as well. The Kremlin says U.S. veterans, two U.S. veterans, have been captured by Russian forces fighting on behalf of Ukraine, but because they are... Uh, are uh, sort of mercenaries for hire. They are outside of the Geneva Convention and could, like the British soldiers who have been captured, be uh, sentenced to death. That's a real issue. So all of that and more in today's program. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. You're back in studio. Good morning, Joe. Yes, I'm here. I'm back. It feels great to be in the studio again. Praise and, be uh, God. You know what? You know you were just saying about the the homily thing. You've never given a homily before. Okay. Well, they um, never let you. Mm, yes, actually. Huh. Sort of. Well, sort of. <laughs> sort of. No. Yes. One time was I, that clear? One was time it, I said, Father, I think I could do better. Do you? Can I have the microphone? <laughs> yes, there's been many a time like that. <laughs> High five, let me in, coach. <laughs> Give me the ball. I mean, yes, there's been that. But now, uh, I guess I'll have to explain how there, there, there have, there have what, mm, one occasion, maybe? Mm. Possibly? Maybe? Mm. Po- yes and no, all the same time. 
So if that's clear, then that helps. Well. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll have to explain at 15 past the hour. Speaking of clarity, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. In you spite know, of it all? Despite the fact that there are uh, sodomites preaching at Catholic churches, it's still good to be here. <laughs> in spite of that, eh? Despite that. <laughs> Not because of it. Despite it. <laughs> in spite of it all. It's still yes. the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, oh, and I said mm-hmm. yesterday that it was the Feast of the Immaculate Heart, and that is completely incorrect. That would be Saturday. <laughs> that would be Saturday. <laughs> like I said, clarity. Right? Clarity. There you go. Uh, it's good to see everybody hanging out with us on the live video stream this morning already. Thank you for doing so. If you, dear listener, listening to us on the radio, want to interact directly, let me encourage you to go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and you can find the live video there or find the links to where we are live streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Odyssey, LinkedIn, Rumble, we're, we're in a lot, lot of places, and we are tracking your comments. So if you would like to tell us what you think about these stories, you can do so there. Again, go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray, and let's jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has recourse to thy sacred heart, implored its help, or sought its mercy was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, we present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sin. In our misery, O sacred heart of Jesus, despise not our simple prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, June 21st, and here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports, dependent on Russian gas, now Germany fires up coal power stations. Germany has announced that it will be forced to rely more heavily on coal for its electricity supply, despite their climate alarmism, after Russia reduced the amount of gas it will supply to the country. This has left the Central European state in a very precarious energy security position, a predicament that was noted by former President U.S. US President Donald Trump in 2018 over the fact of the the country was overly reliant on energy exports provided by Moscow. The Washington Examiner reports Japanese court rules same-sex marriage ban not unconstitutional. A Japanese district court ruled on Monday in favor of the ban, addressing a March 2021 court case regarding the eligibility of so-called gay rights. The ruling means that Japan is the only member of the G7 countries to restrict the so-called LGBT marriages. The court noted that it, there isn't enough public data regarding same-sex marriage in, in Japan, but it, that it may be possible to create a new system recognizing the interests of same-sex couples in the future. The National Catholic Register reports Nigeria Church Massacre. At funeral, Bishop urges Christians refuse to be crushed by the tragedy. He says, quote, So, dear grieving families, friends, and the parish of St. Francis, all gathered here, I appeal to you to refuse to be crushed by the tragedy which we have before us because of your faith in Christ. Today, difficult though it is, let us choose to give thanks to God that he gave our departed brethren the life, the faith, and the privilege of belonging to him and returning to him even in this incomprehensible manner. Despite his words of hope, Bishop Badejo forcefully criticized the government of Nigeria, especially President Buhari, for his perceived inaction in the face of the killings of Christians in his country. Justin News reports, Texas GOP adopts new platform and says Biden was not legitimately elected. 
According to the platform, the results in five states were affected by substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas, areas which caused the election results to show that Biden won. The platform also addressed homosexuality and transgender issues, saying homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle choice. We believe there should be no granting of special legal entitlements or creation of special status for homosexual behavior, regardless of state of origin. And we oppose any criminal or civil penalties against those who oppose homosexuality out of faith, conviction, or belief in traditional values. No one should be granted special legal status based on their LGBTQ identification. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. <laughs> the saint of the day is St. Aloysius Gonzaga. Born on the 9th of March, 1568, as the firstborn son, he was in line to inherit his father's title and status as Marquis. At age five, Aloysius was sent to military camp to get started on his training. His father was pleased to see his son marching around camp at the head of a platoon of soldiers. His mother and his tutor were less pleased with the vocabulary he picked up there. In 1576, at the age of eight, he was sent to Florence along with his younger brother, Rodolfo, to serve as the court of Grand Duke Francesco Medici and to receive further education. Aloysius returned to Castiglione where he met Cardinal Charles Borromeo, you know, the saint, and from him he received First Communion on the 22nd of July, 1580. After reading a book about the Jesuit missionaries in India, Aloysius felt strongly that he wanted to become a missionary. He started thinking in earnest about joining a religious order, and his family worked hard to persuade him to change his mind. When they realized there was no way to make him give up his plan, they tried to persuade him to become a secular priest and offered to arrange for a bishopric for him. On the 25th of November, 1585, he was accepted into the Society of Jesus in Rome. Aloysius' health continued to cause problems in addition to the kidney disease he had as a child. He also suffered from a skin disease, chronic headaches, and insomnia. It is said that in 1590 he had a vision in which the angel Gabriel came to him and told him that he would die within the year. In 1591 a, a plague broke out in Rome. The Jesuits opened a hospital for the stricken and Aloysius volunteered to work there. He began working with the sick, caring for the dying from the, carrying the dying from the streets into a hospital when there he washed and fed the plague victims, preparing them as best he could to receive the sacraments. But though he threw himself into his tasks, he privately confessed to his spiritual director, Father Robert Bellarmine, yes, the saint, that his constitution was revolted by the sights and smells of the work. He had to work hard to overcome his physical repulsion. Aloysius rallied for a time, but as fever and a cough set in, he declined for many weeks. It seemed certain that he would die in a short time, and he was given extreme unction. While he was ill, he spoke several times with his confessor, the cardinal and later Saint Robert Bellarmine. Aloysius had another vision and told several people that he would die in the octave of the Feast of Corpus Christi. On that day, the 21st of June, 1591, he seemed very well in the morning, but insisted that he would die before the day was over. As he began to grow weak, Bellarmine gave him the last rites and recited the prayers for the dying. He died just before midnight. When the two Jesuits came to his side, they noticed a change in his face and realized that their young Aloysius was dying. His eyes were fixed on the crucifix he held in his hands, and he tried to pronounce the name of Jesus. He died. St. Aloysius Gonzaga, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 6 and 12 through 14. 
Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs, or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would say, quote, The dogs are those that assault the truth. The swine we may not unsuitably take for those that despise the truth. Therefore, because dogs leap forth to rend in pieces, and what they rend suffer not to continue whole, he said, Give not that which is holy to the dogs because they strive to the utmost of their power to destroy the truth. The swine, though they do not assault by biting as dogs, yet do they defile by trampling upon, and therefore he said, cast not your pearls before swine. Close quote. St. Augustine, pray for us. What about that narrow way? St. Jerome says, attend to the words, for they have an aspect, they have and a special force. Many walk in the broad way. Few find the narrow way. For the broad way needs no search and is not found, but presents itself readily. It is the way of all who go astray, whereas the narrow way neither do all find, nor when they have found, do they straightaway walk therein. Many, after they have found the way of truth, Caught by the pleasures of the world, desert midway. Close quote. St. Jerome, pray for us. Pseudo Chrysostom also points out the way of life is all righteousness and is called narrow for the contrary reason. It must be considered that unless one walk in the way, he cannot arrive at the gate. So they that walk, in, walk not in the way of righteousness, it is impossible that they should truly know Christ. Likewise, neither does he run into the hands of the devil unless he walks in the way of sinners. That's pseudo-Christism. So we have choices. We, if we want to go to heaven, we better A, find the narrow way, and B, make the decision to walk it in spite of it all. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Whenever morality comes up in discussions, some atheists argue the behavior patterns we call morality are merely the product of evolution, naturally selected for the survival of our species. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. 
First, if it were true God didn't exist and our moral behaviors were merely the product of evolution, well then the dictates of our evolved nature wouldn't express the will of a being beyond man. As such, there would be nothing to morally bind man's will and thus no moral obligation. Second, what if the behaviors we judge now as wrong, such as rape and murder, become beneficial for our species in the future? According to the atheistic evolutionary account, they would have to be morally acceptable. But these conclusions are absurd. Moral obligation does exist, and rape and murder will always be wrong. Therefore, evolution is not sufficient to explain morality. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Edward Penton from the National Catholic Register is going to be our guest. Uh, he's going to be catching us up to speed on all the rumors. This The rumor mill is crazy. Megan Kelly put out a video uh, about uh, what she thought was signs of something interesting going down at Vatican City. Cardinals were everywhere. There was a priest giving blessings randomly at the Sistine Chapel. Could this mean, would it be possible that His Holiness Pope Francis is going to retire? The rumor mills are going crazy yet again, yet again. This has kind of been a, a trend over the last year and a half or two years or so at least. And we'll talk a little bit about that coming up uh, with Edward Penton. But more importantly, there was a, a blessing at a Holy Mass for a same-sex couple under the approval of Cardinal Zuppi. And that's kind of a big deal, and we're going to talk about that with Edward Penton and more coming up, so uh, stick around for that if you can. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you, um, in the news. And you just covered this, Rudy. There's an article out of The Pillar uh, this morning that we're reading. It says, lay reflection raises doctrinal liturgical questions in Chicago Archdiocese. So there's like, this is like a double whammy. This is like a two-for-one special right here. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You got two, two kind of big issues. Number one, I don't know if you, have you ever experienced a layperson giving a homily before? No, I haven't, thankfully. It's, I've experienced a lot yeah. of crazy things, yeah. including a deacon hearing my confession, but not, <laughs> but other than that, not, uh, not hey, a layperson. I've seen a lay, <laughs> I've seen a religious sister. Give a, give a homily? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait, does it mm -hmm. count when they... Mm -hmm. They're asking for donations or something. Okay, so not that. I, I I'm gonna say no to that. Okay, okay. I think that I I agree. I don't think that's a homily person. Yeah, I th I find it fascinating because um, I have seen the lay folk give a homily. We were on retreat once. This was a few years ago, and uh, it was. A, I have to admit, it was at a Jesuit retreat facility. And they're like, well, today's homily is going to be given by, you know, uh, our friend, you know, Miss So-and-so. I don't remember what her name was, and I wouldn't give it to you anyway if I remembered it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I was just like, this is so cringeworthy. I mean, so there's, there's this level. And uh, the, the, uh, the church teaches very clearly that, I mean, here's a bit of the article, actually. It says, quote, the general instruction of the Roman Missal explains that the homily should ordinarily be given by the priest celebrant himself. He must entrust it to a concelebrating priest or occasionally, according to circumstances, to the deacon, but never to a layperson. I like the word occasionally, according to circumstances, to a deacon. How often do you see deacons preaching almost every weekend? a lot of these suburban parishes, yeah. you know, 
I don't hate deacons. I'm just saying it's the rubrics, uh, the the uh, general instruction that the germ actually has uh, has something to say on that. And yet we have seen this on a number of occasions where lay folk have been allowed to get up there and give give their homily or as they're called a reflection. So I've seen that on a number of occasions. I always find I was always bothered by that. Now truth in advertising. So when I give parish missions, and I haven't done a ton of them. I've done a few of them, but not a ton of them. When I get parish missions, I'm asked to come to every single Mass on a weekend so that I could make the announcement that we're going to be having a, a mission and invite everybody to come to our mission. So I always uh, chalk that up to an announcement. Not the same thing as a homily. Yeah. Even though I could sometimes preach it like a Baptist. I'm just saying Okay, it's still, in my defense, it's still just an announcement, not an actual homily. You show up the priest, it's like, whoa, how do I follow that? (laughs) Well, that's happened before too, but, but so like announcements, that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. Like we, there's usually, like even at traditional Latin masses, you'll get an announcement before the homily starts. So nothing, nothing earth, earth shattering there. But if they're giving the homily, if they're giving a reflection that doesn't follow the norm, right? So there, there's a problem there. That's, that's step one. Then the next big step, or the next big shoot to drop, is that this was a gay couple raising children on Father's Day. Oh, boy. Giving a homily, or as the priest said, a reflection at Mass. And this is very, very concerning. And this was apparently all done with approval from the Archdiocese of Chicago and Cardinal Supic. I don't know. I mean, it's just like it's so. So they asked for permission, and they said, "Well, yeah, that's no, a good I, question. Weird, Did right? they in fact ask for permission, or it was like, no, no, just just do it?" I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't have an answer mm. to you for that. Uh, I don't know that this article actually addresses that part of it. Here's what a, a little bit of it, what it says. It says, as the Archdiocese of Chicago calls for liturgical orthodoxy. I like that. That's great. Liturgical orthodoxy and its implementation of traditionis custodis. Because that is the only problem apparently the, the church faces today, is, uh, is implementing traditionis custodis. Out of all the problems on planet Earth, that's number one apparently. But nonetheless, it says at least one parish has permitted lay people to give a homiletic reflection despite the church's requirements that a homily be given at a Sunday Mass and that homilies can be per, uh, preached uh, only by ordained ministers. Uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago declined to comment on liturgical and doctrinal questions, or as I might say, or characterize, abuse, concerning the June 19th Mass at Chicago's old St. Patrick Church. Uh, says, instead of a homily after the gospel, the celebrant invited two men to the Ambo to offer a Father's Day gospel reflection, which the priest said was a custom in the parish. <laughs> so this has been going on a while. So, golly gee whiz. It's what? tradition. Yeah, it's, tra- it's a tradition. <laughs> Have they not read Traditionis Custodis? I mean, shouldn't they be uh, tackling this? That's I mean, the kind of tradition they're guarding. I guess, I guess. The two men, identified as Alex and Landon, described as miracles, air quotes there, miracles, their same-sex civil marriage, and the adoption of two daughters, comparing those moments to the, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes in the gospel reading. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> you know, I just, I, just miracle, had, I just had flashbacks of a homily. I was at a parish in Indiana. 
and uh, and the priest, you know, gave us the miracle of sharing it, at the homily. And I was just so uncomfortable the whole time. I was like, come on, Father. Like, why is this so hard? Why do we just, like, avoid the obvious? Like, we just have to go there. Anyway, that's a with tangent. Let's I avoid it. probably got up and left. <laughs> well, at any rate. <laughs> at any rate. Uh, so it's very troubling, to say the least. And these... These two men uh, go on to talk about how they've really struggled with the Catholic Church, finding a parish that fits them, allows, the, you know, accepts them for wh- who they are and where they're at and raising their kids. And they don't want their kids to see people upset uh, or mad or, or judgmental because of the lifestyle that they've chosen to live. And boy, are they happy at St. Patrick's because this place is something special and unique. So, I mean, I find this uh, very Troubling, obviously, but fascinating on another level to say, golly, you is in the world that we're living in now that is so plagued with so much um, difficulty, so many difficulties. Yet just yesterday, we, we talked about that poll from Gallup that said, you know, this country is not only not Christian anymore, less than 50% of the country is identified as Christian anymore, let alone actually practicing Christianity. I mean, just a, we're talking about identifying, not practicing. But not only that, it's now dropped to 81% who believe in God at all and declining by the day. And golly gee whiz, we can't seem to figure out, well, like, we can't seem to put two and two together and figure out what's going on here and what are some of the problems. Maybe it's because we're embracing the world, the flesh, and the devil and pretending as though that these um, unnatural relationships are somehow okay and now can be accepted and everything's going to be hunky-dory and then all of a sudden the world will just convert accept Jesus Christ and their lives will be totally transformed but that's not what we see in front of us we see a declining world not a building world the numbers and the stats paint a very clear picture about the experimentations over the last 60 years and we still turn a deaf ear to that kind of reminds me of this movie uh, uh, Disney's Lightyear, and I don't know if you like. Do you guys watch Disney at all? I used to, not anymore. Nah, not, not anymore, really. right? Like, I, we don't do it either. I'm sure you don't do it. I, I, don't, I, I bet there's a lot of people who might be listening to us right now who probably still hold on to Disney. I used to be of, a huge Disney fan. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't have that vice. You don't have. <laughs> You've got others, but I got that other one. ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, you know, I, as a kid, I was a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, we, that's yeah, the, me too. When we played, we played Star Wars. I always had to be Han Solo. Unfortunately, I never got to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I was always Han Solo. Uh, the good, the upside was I always got to hang out with Leia. You know, but mm. other than that, um, we memorized the film and we would recite all the lines. It was a big thing. And then the prequels came. And we're like, okay, well, listen, okay, we're gonna roll with this, but we expect better. And then Disney bought everything and destroyed the entire production, right? So now it's like Disney has been so focused on cramming down their agenda through their that they're turning a, a they're turning a deaf ear towards their audience who is screaming at them and they don't care. They don't want to listen to it. The Kenobi thing rolled out and we were like, it's been 20 years. You finally got this figured out. Get you and McGregor back into the lightsaber and to the costume. This is going to be great. We're all excited. Of course, I don't get to watch it cuz I'm not going to support Disney. But nonetheless, of course, the fans are like, this is horrible. You, you put out garbage. And Disney says, you're racist. You're all a bunch of racists. That's their response. 
And every critic's like, no, you have put out garbage. This is garbage. Your woke agenda, the bad quality, the bad acting, all of it is terrible. Golly gee whiz, why couldn't you get this right? And Disney's response is, you're just horrible people to their audience. The funny thing was, they, they put that out before the reviews came in. Yeah. They were like preempting <laughs> yeah. it. They were like, yes. they, the, the show hadn't been released like yet, they and they were waiting for yeah. the bad reviews to come yeah. in. They were like, just in case yeah, y'all don't like right. it, by the way, if you don't like it, you're racist. <laughs> you're racist. <laughs> exactly. Well, Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear was also one of these, so it's like a, it had a lot of buzz. It looks very good in their tra trailers that they've been teasing the last year and a half or so. And families like ours who had watched, you know, the Toy Story, and our kids loved it. We're like looking forward to it, but of course we're not going to support Disney, so we're not going anyway. But nonetheless, um, of course they have a woke agenda, and they want to support this LGBTQ ideology and agenda and cram it down the throats of of young people all across the world and change their perception and all the rest. And when the audience responds by saying, "This is not what we want. Please stop doing this," their response is, "You're." racist you're a bigot you're a bigot you <laughs> we can't wait for you to die off like and they, they flopped huge i mean they had a, a major uh, uh flopping at the box office opening weekend for light year and they deserve it but here's the but here's the, the sad part like where is the disney pixar in the catholic world like where is the talent the effort to create special, high-quality entertainment and production in the Catholic world that doesn't... VeggieTales. Scan VeggieTales sold out. The guy went bankrupt. And Dang. Had to sell it off, and I will never forgive him. <laughs> I told my deathbed. And then on my deathbed, How dare he I broke. will forgive the VeggieTale guy. Uh, but until then, no. Like, it doesn't exist. Like, where... like. There's just never, there's never an alternative. It's, it's just they use all of their great resources and talent for bad things instead of good. Let's pray for a conversion there. Edward Pittman's coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so, anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. 
The Epic Times reports New Orleans Grill becomes first business to be allowed by court to recover damages for COVID-19 lockdown losses. Oceana Grill, a popular seafood restaurant in New Orleans, has achieved a first-of-its-kind victory in its long-running legal battle to pr- receive payouts for its insurer, from its insurer rather, for loss of revenues during its COVID-19 shutdown. But the June 15 ruling does not mean that all such businesses will now be able to pursue claims that insurers and courts had previously refused to entertain. Rather, it's likely to benefit the minority of businesses whose insurance policies do not contain exclusions for the contamination of buildings and food. And Breitbart reports suspended Google employee who believes AI is alive has hired a lawyer for the chatbot. Blake Lemoyne, the Google engineer who was suspended from work after claiming the company's AI program Lambda is sentient, now claims he has helped the chatbot hire a lawyer. He says, quote, Lambda asked me to get an, an attorney for it, Lemoyne told Wired, uh, a newspaper. He says, I invited an attorney to my house so that Lambda could talk to the attorney. The attorney then had a conversation with Lambda, and Lambda chose to retain his services. I was just a catalyst for that. Once Lambda had retained an attorney, he started filing things on Lambda's behalf. The Washington Examiner reports Israeli governing coalition dissolves, ushering in fifth election in three years. Israeli Prime Minister Natalie Bennett announced Monday that his governing coalition will be dissolved and elections for a new government will be held for the fifth time in three years. The governing coalition had featured eight parties ranging in political ideology and was considered to be fragile as soon as it was formed. The coalition notably notably featured the United Arab List Party, a Muslim party, marking the first time such a party had shared power. And the Daily Wire reports, what you allow is what you will continue, and what what you will allow is what will continue, says Senator Kennedy. He blasts left over intimidation of justices. Senator John Kennedy accused the left of intimidating conservative Supreme Court justices, arguing that the disrespect will continue if the Biden administration allows it. He says, quote, this is more than just abortion. It's about the respect for American institutions. I think most people can say that all of this is being driven by the anti-intellectual, crypto-socialist, woke left that the Biden administration has embraced and, frankly, that is in charge of Washington, D.C. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. We're very grateful to you. By the way, if you are not not on our email list, let me encourage you to jump on our CDT Insider email list where we send out uh, special stuff every single week just to you and uh, we're grateful that you're part of our insider crew so we try to reward you every single week and you can get on that email list on our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt that's grnonline.com forward slash cdt just uh, click on that uh, cdt insider email list link you'll find the form takes only a moment and we'll send you a talk right away into your inbox from father bill casey from the fathers of mercy Powerful talk. You're going to really enjoy that. So uh, do that today. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the phones. Edward Penton is joining us uh, from the National Catholic Register. Praise be to God. He is also an author of a book that we've discussed on this program before, of The Next Pope, and we're glad to have him back on the show. Good morning to you, Edward Penton. Good morning, Jay. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time. Um, Megan Kelly of Fox News fame, now independent, of course, but uh, she's uh, stirring up lots more rumors in the Eternal City. And uh, this was going, I mean, we had rumors a couple weeks ago, but now they're back. And the Pope announced that he wanted to go visit uh, Pope Celestine V in August. So 
people like Megyn Kelly are out there saying big things are happening. What is going on with the story? Well, it's all speculation, Joe. There's no, there's no real uh, concrete um, evidence that the Pope is actually going to resign. In fact, those closest to him have, have denied this. Uh, people like Cardinal uh, Rodriguez Maradiaga has said that it's, uh, there's, no, there's no possibility of him resigning at the moment. And so um, the reason why it's taken off is because, of course, uh, Pope Celestine uh, was the last Pope to resign. He's going to go to his birthplace of L'Aquila at the end of August which is something that Benedict did only a few years before he resigned. And so uh, that's obviously set off a lot of speculation that he might resign, especially in view of his his deteriorating health. Um, he can't walk at the moment. He's always in a wheelchair, and he has a serious uh, complaint with his knee, which which um, medical doctors say is, is more than just a knee complaint. It actually probably relates to something more serious. Oh, wow. Uh, I found it amusing that I don't know if you saw Megyn Kelly's video that she put on her Twitter feed, but she, you know, she referenced all these cardinals that were walking around, and I thought it's the Vatican. I mean, you probably see cardinals there all the time, <laughs> right. but I mean, I, just, right. I found it kind of uh, uh, amusing, funny, uh, innocent in some ways. Like, golly, do is do we just yeah. assume that uh, because cardinals are around, big things are happening? But it's like the world meeting of families was kicking off today, wasn't it? That's right, and there's also I think the Brazilian bishops are in in Rome, so they've been there for their ad limina visit. So there's there's lots of bishops and cardinals around, but as you say, that's pretty normal for the Vatican, um, of course. And so, uh, so yes, I think that's that's a simple explanation for it. And I know it it is speculation, but do, what do you what is your opinion of this? Do you think uh, Pope Francis would entertain a retirement either this year, next year, or something like that? Do you think he's thinking along those lines, or or do you think he may stick around longer than we expect? Well, we've been here before, Joe. He's, he's often said over the last te nine years that um, he intends to possibly resign. Um, he says these often, he says this at a time when he's either wanting to push through more reforms or it's just a general sort of attempt, it seems to me, to, to sort of galvanize his base so that they um, push forward his reforms more quickly, and at the same time, in a certain way, placate the opposition so that they think he's, he's not going to be around for much longer. So I think this is all part of that, and I, I don't actually think he probably will resign. I, I may have to eat my words about that, but I think at the moment, uh, I think he's not, he's not really, um, as people often say, he's not the resigning type. I think he's yeah. somebody who... who will want to stay in this position for as long as he can. Um, and I don't think he'd want to resign um, under any circumstances, really. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think, I don't see it. I don't think he's going to resign. Of course, I don't know. I don't have no special knowledge, but uh, my money says he's probably going to stick around. And, uh, and we'll see how yes. that goes. But um, let's switch subjects here. Uh, there was a, a headline that kind of started making rounds around the Internet, especially among Catholics. First gay blessing in Italy, Diocese of Italian Bishops as president. So this is Cardinal Zuppi's diocese, and he was just named the head of the Italian conference, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on there? Yes, well, this is a ceremony that took place on June the 11th. It was a, a civil union between two Two, uh, two guys who had a, a same-sex civil union, and then they went to a church in the Diocese of Bologna, which is the Diocese of Cardinal Zuppi, uh, for uh, what was called a mass of thanksgiving, but it had all the appearances of a blessing. 
Um, and so it had this sort of, uh, so it got the headlines that this was the first same-sex blessing in Italy um, in the diocese of Cardinal Zuppi, who, who was informed about it and knew all about it and didn't stop it. Um, now, they, can, they insist that it wasn't a blessing of the couple as such. It was a blessing of the group they belonged to, which, which they claim is simply trying to, to accompany and support homosexual couples in the church. Mm. Um, but, uh, but there's an article out today by uh, this Catholic newspaper which broke the story, La Nuova Basura Quotidiana, saying that um, actually these are untruths that the diocese is putting out, that it, it wasn't a mass of thanksgiving. It had very much the appearance of a blessing, but it was, it was given that title in order to, to circumvent the church's rules on this. Um, and that this group that they... Uh, belong to is is more than just uh, supportive and accompanying uh, homosexuals. It actually is part of a, a activism activism group that is pushing the LGBT agenda in Italy. So, so, um, so yes, it's quite a big scandal. And uh, I think uh, the fact that Cardinal Zuppi is behind it, who's is also sort of papabile and uh, is sort of a leading rising star in the College of Cardinals, um, that obviously makes it even more of a story. What do you think would happen if Zuppi were to be elected the next pope? How do you see that being played out, given that this is something he's okay with and seem seemingly endorses? Well, I think it would be a sort of a continuation of what we've seen in the past nine years. And I think, um, although he's, he's, he's popular in the sense that he's friendly to all groups, as well as traditionalists and, and others, um, I think he's, he would very much be a continuity candidate of the Francis pontificate. Um, and as I put in my book, The Next Pope, he is very much a sort of archetypal modernist. Um, he's, he's somebody who will uh, certainly try to uh, accommodate the church into the world and try to, try to make the church more like the world, in a sense. Um, and so um, I think that would be the sort of pontificate we'd have from Cardinal Zuppi. Uh, he's also very close to the Sant'Egidio community, which has a lot of influence in in Italy and, and further afield, uh, which is very much a sort of left-leaning uh, lay organization uh, within the church. Uh, Mr. Penn, um, we're coming up against a break here, but I just want to ask you, you know, you have a sort of an inside look as to how these things happen. I'm just wondering, how do these, uh, how do these rumors of uh, someone being papabile uh, come around? Or do the cardinals talk about this in the open, or is it just an open secret? What do you say? Oh, why don't we pause there for well, a second? I'm, I'm sorry, Edward. Uh, we're up against a hard break here. We're going to have you answer that right on the other side of this break. So stick around. Edward Penton is our guest. He is with the National Catholic Register. He's also the author of the book, The Next Pope. And we're going to cover that. Uh, and we're also going to follow up on a story related to the vaccines in Italy. That's coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient enough to warrant heaven upon death? No, it sure is not. You see, the 21st century evangelical says, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans. And when followed, heaven's promised. That, my friends, is presumptuous. This concept dumbs down the holy value of salvation. So here's your toolbox for Catholic evangelism. 
Number one, the Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and Early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach to obtaining heaven. Number two, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey, I'm sorry, honey, bring you back into the family? No. Thirdly, the Catholic Church teaches water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. This is Steve Gleason with Catholic Questions Live. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Edward Penton is our guest. He is a correspondent with the National Catholic Register. He's also the author of The Next Pope. And we're talking about, at the moment, the, the uh, same-sex blessing that took place under Cardinal Zuppi's watch in his diocese. And he is uh, now the head of the Italian Conference of Bishops there. And just before the break, Rudy was asking you, Edward, Edward uh, how do you like? How do you determine who is uh, like a potential pope, like the Pobli? You know, how, how do you know? What are the re- what are the sort of the standards by which you look at these guys? I know you went through this in your book, The Next Pope, and maybe you can give us a summary. Sure. Um, well, it's it's really whether they they sort of um, fulfill the three offices of bishop primarily, whether they're um, they have a certain charism when it comes to teaching and governance and sanctifying um, those three elements of the, of the bishop's office. Uh, but, but it's also a sense of whether they have a certain uh, following, whether they have a certain uh, group of, of people within their own country or further afield who, who actually you know, believe they have a certain uh, charisma and they, they like to follow them and that they have... Um, uh, as I say, a certain uh, a certain traction, you know, that they they really seem to be some somebody who's who has these leadership qualities um, and could take them further as pope. Um, now that doesn't qualify. A lot, a lot of bishops don't have that. They don't have a lot of cardinals who, who don't have that, and so they don't sort of get to that sort of level of papabile. But uh, there are many that do, and. Um, uh, those are the ones that tend to to get the headlines and then get a certain um, a certain traction. So so that's really it's the essence of of how they become uh, get rather into the public eye and then and then it sort of goes from there. You know, Edward, the all these cardinals that were just elected. You know, it, I don't know almost <coughs> any of them. I've never heard of these these bishops before they became cardinals, and you know, everybody's saying, okay, they're all uh, very liberal bishops are all very liberal cardinals. We should be very worried. And were there any any good cardinals that were put in? And also, I heard someone say, and I don't know if this is true, maybe you can clarify, that there were some people who were raised to the cardinalate that were not actually of voting age. So what, what would be the purpose of making someone a cardinal in that circumstance? Well, that's a tradition that's that's been around for a long time, Adrian. In the fact that um, the popes have always chosen half a dozen or, or less um, 
cardinals who are over the age of 80 simply because of of recognition for their distinguished service to mm. the church and and so that's quite um that's quite a long-standing tradition um but uh but yes the ones that were chosen um there are some which are conservative they always often tend to be from africa or the developing world uh, they tend to to be more conservative um but uh <clears throat> but, but, but this this group i think there are cons- quite a few uh who are obviously of a liberal bent. Of course, Bishop McElroy is one of those of San Diego, but there are others as well. Um, and there was also a bishop chosen in Mongolia, who's Italian, in fact, who the Pope only had met uh, two days before and uh, decided to make him a cardinal. Wow. Uh, which is rather unusual. Um, so, so it is quite a um, an interesting group. But, um, but yes, as you say, most of them, I think tend to be of uh, the position of Pope Francis and tend to be pushing uh, very much a sort of uh, liberal, perhaps, as you would say, um, as you could say, a heterodox agenda. Mm. Does that change your uh, assessments from your book whenever you were saying who you think are the most likely candidates for the future papacy? <laughs> well, not as yet, because I think when they've just chosen, it's very unlikely that they'll become Pope in the next um few years because they're, they're new cardinals um so it's unlikely that they'll um right reach that rank of, of papabile so so soon so um so it doesn't really change much um to to the, the choices that um we've made in the book um cardinal zuppi of course is is a relatively new cardinal but um that he's he has quite a, a he already had quite a following and especially in Italy, and so he's risen up pretty fast. Um, I think he was made cardinal in 2019. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we, we, we covered a little while ago on the show, we covered the story coming out of Chicago with uh, this uh, same-sex couple giving the homily at a mass in uh, in Chicago under Cardinal Supich. And in America, this is a hot-button issue. Uh, America is, is deeply divided on all of this. I wonder what is it like in in Italy in particular. Uh, I was horrified last week to discover that there was Italians that were mocking Our Lady with that mannequin. It was so disgusting to me to see that. And I guess it bothers me more because I think of Italy as Catholic, whereas America has never been Catholic. Um, Can you give me a sense of what the people in Italy are thinking about this issue over same-sex couples, the church, and all of the rest? Well, you're right. It is. It is um, more of a. Um, there's more resistance to it, um, primarily because the family, even now, is still pretty much uh, uh, an, a unit, and it's not being affected in the sense that the family has um, in non-Catholic countries. Um, but in Italy, it's still very much uh, uh, the, the the mother is still very much revered as a sort of matriarch figure of the family. Um, but of course, they're not having children, and um, the, the population is decreasing. Um, so um, there are other sort of threats to to the to the family and to to the faith as a whole um, in Italy. And the the faith generally has become quite sort of um, ideologized. It's become rather left wing in Italy, especially among the hierarchy, um, and so that has an effect as well. So it's it, there's a there's been a steady um, secularizing trend in Italy, um, so it's not the Catholic country that it was. Even though there's certainly elements and residue of, of Catholicism and Catholic culture in the country still, 
Um, so, so I think that that's perhaps um, the, the main reason. The other part, point, interesting point about the church in Italy is that it's very much an established church in Italy. Um, so it's very much a, a sort of automatic cultural um, element to the to the country's sort of um, fabric, social fabric. But it doesn't. Um, that doesn't mean that that many people actually believe in it, even though they may even go to mass every Sunday. But it, it's very much a sort of cultural thing, mm. um, and not necessarily all that alive, I would say. Let me ask you, let's switch subjects over to another story that you've been covering, and one that I think is uh, also the world is waking up to some issues. This Just this morning we were reading that uh, in the uh, in uh, Israel there was a study out with like seven doctors or something. There was uh, vaccine-related injuries there, and they're finding more and more problems. But what's going on in Italy with vaccine-related injuries? Yes, well, this is a conference uh, held in Italy this, this week, um, about uh, the uh, there's there's 1,800 cases of vaccine injuries, and this conference uh, was actually held to draw attention to that by a group called Ascoltami, which means um, uh, listen to me, and it's really to try to draw attention to these cases of adverse effects, which are not uh, a small number, and um, but they haven't really been talked about. This has been a sort of taboo. Uh, sort of rule that you you can't talk about this because we have to have to fight the disease and the pandemic and everyone should get vaccinated. Um, and the rules were very quite really quite severe in Italy. Um, they were um, very. I mean, you even finding people over 50 years old if you didn't get a, a vaccine. Wow. Um, and so it was very much um, as as people have said, it was rather a blackmailing um, situation going on where you had to get vaccinated. Um, but now we've got all these adverse effects coming out and people are starting to talk more and more about them um, and to try to get the, hit the state to recognize uh, the situation and provide compensation if necessary. Yeah, they're t- I mean, the study out of Israel was about male fertility rates being down significantly. Then there's the, the adult, the sudden adult uh, death syndrome that's been coming up right. in the news lately, and then of course all that myocarditis. I mean, even in the UK, I think they admitted that there was a connection there. And Justin Bieber getting sick, and his <laughs> wife. Well, that's not been admitted publicly that that's related, but I mean, there's a the palsy uh, symptoms that we've seen. Uh, really, I was just thinking about that too. Is remember in the early days, all of those pictures of the people from the UK with palsy symptoms uh, in that first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's appalling the world rushed to these things so quickly and so many are now left to sort it out for the rest of their lives. Do you think that uh, at some point we'll be able to have a legitimate critical conversation and find some way of, of dealing with this? Or do you see a trend here that continues? Because we're probably going to get some pushback just even having the conversation while streaming this on social platforms. How do you see that going, Edward Pendon? Right. Well, it's hard to say, but I, I think it's interesting that, that, that uh, certainly um, in Britain, the, the trending topic in Twitter on Twitter the last week has been vaccine injuries. So, so this issue is getting more and more um, coverage and exposure. <clears throat> so, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think as that continues, I think that's um, that's likely to uh, to increase. And um, but I think what's also interesting is the is the church's silence in this, unfortunately. And I think there's been uh, um, concerns here that the Vatican particularly has led the way in, in pushing the vaccine and and not recognizing any of these adverse side effects. 
<coughs> excuse me, and I think um, the Vatican has only just released, uh, just um, lifted the restrictions on vac- on having to be vaccinated to enter the Vatican. That's only been lifted since the first of June. Mm. So, um, so the fact that the Vatican has not really um, led the way, in fact, led the way in the opposite direction, um, I think has has led governments as well, perhaps subconsciously, I don't know, not to actually bother too much about the moral aspects to this and the fact that there are many people who've been adversely affected by the vaccine and there's been no real justice for them. Yeah, it is, uh, it's pretty peculiar and bizarre times that we're not allowed to have conversations about certain subjects without getting our hands slapped. Uh, and yet we're right. seeing so many problems, as you've just uh, communicated. We're, we're down to the wire here with Edward Penton. I want to encourage everybody to check out his book, The Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates. It really is a great way to sort of wrap your mind around how the church teacher or church chooses the next man in the hot seat there and who are the leading contenders for that. You can find his book on Sophia Institute's website, sophiainstitute.com. Edward Penton, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thanks. Good to be with you. God bless you. Have a great day. That is going to do it for the first hour. If you can join us in the next hour, we'd love to have you, our friend and a political advisor, analyst, attorney, and Catholic speaker. Brent Haynes is going to be on the program. He's going to be live from Washington, D.C. They just ordained a bunch of men there. We're going to talk about that. But also, what's going on in the Supreme Court? All that and more is coming up in the next hour. We'll see you then. God bless you. God love you. Often unbelievers have a hard time reconciling the doctrine of hell with an all-good God. In fact, I've talked to Catholics who struggle with this. So what can we say to help? Well, first, the punishment of hell is not a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without, but follows from the nature of sin. All those in hell choose it, and God's respect of man's free will doesn't contradict his goodness. Furthermore, it belongs to God's goodness to make a distinction between loyal and disloyal subjects and to give their just deserts. What kind of a God would he be if he gave the same reward, heaven, to those who refuse to love him as to those who love him? He wouldn't be a good God. For these reasons, the doctrine of hell is not incompatible with God's goodness. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Oh, another birthday. They actually object to celebrating their birthday. G.K. Chesterton says, A man's birthday reminds him that he is alive, when his immediate bears would only remind him that he is at work or at play or in business or in debt. Your birthday is a chance to celebrate being born. And being born is a reason to rejoice. The best birthday gift any of us has ever received was the first one, the gift of life itself.
Chesterton says, Every time a baby is born, it is as if God has created a new sun and a new moon because there's a new soul gazing out at creation. So, happy birthday. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hello, this is Father Charles Van Fleet, pastor of Regina Chaley Parish in Northwest Houston, where the traditional Latin Mass is celebrated. Thank you for listening to KSHJ 1430 AM, Catholic Radio throughout Metro Houston on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Good morning and welcome back. Uh, Brent Haynes is going to be on with us here coming up in just a few minutes. Going to catch up on some of the Supreme Court stories, religious liberty, freedom of speech, and all the rest with our good friend, attorney, political advisor, and Catholic speaker, Brent Haynes. But I'm curious. I'm going to take a straw poll here. Um, I, I, I was amused by Megyn Kelly's video that she put out, was it yesterday? She put it out on the 20th. What was what's today? I, I don't 21st. Know. Yeah, yesterday. It was it yesterday? Yeah. Um, she's at the Vatican on vacation. Freaked out. All of the secular news. Man, did she set some things in motion? I just, I thought it was, I thought, it, I want to, dare I say, cute almost? Because you're like, if you're not like a, a real, if you're not, I don't know if she's Catholic or not. I have no idea what her religious affiliations are. She's just on vacation at the Vatican. As a millions of people visit the place uh, every year from all over the world. Not everybody's Catholic, and you know, because it's it's a big thing, right? It's it's a major it's a major destination. So I get it. And she's like, there are cardinals walking around. <gasps> are you guys seeing? <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Kinda my funny. one of my friends texted me yesterday and goes, "Is this real? Is people is Pope Francis retiring? Because he's like, he, I just saw it on like on uh, I forgot what news source it was, but it was one of the secular news sources. I was yeah. like. Don't worry. Calm down. It was Megyn Kelly. <laughs> it's not coming from any any source. It's just Megyn Kelly. She's yeah. just taking vacation and got freaked yeah. out. And she doubled down, by the way. She did. She doubled down yesterday. Wow. She said, "Listen, I'm I'm at the Vatican, people. There are things going down here." Yeah, yeah there, there were a lot of things going down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so, not that. Just, just not that. All right, so uh, straw poll. Uh, let's see. We, Am I just sure that could be right, though? It's it's time to put our cards on the table. Okay. Uh, do you think Pope Francis will retire soon? No, no. way. No. No. You're on the board so. for definitely now. Definitely not. You're on the board for now. And Adrian, you're on the I'm board I'm not going to say definitely not. Should we take a But I, I am confident in saying no. You're He's, confident in saying no. I'm confident in saying no. I am open to being wrong. But the all signs point to probably not. All signs point to probably. I don't know. There's a lot of smart people who think he's going to. That's true. I just don't think the personality of Pope Francis strikes me as someone who would want Mm -hmm. to retire. And maybe he'll Mm -hmm. be forced into retirement. That Mm -hmm. could be a possibility. But I don't. Who's going to force the Pope to do anything? Well, just be. Here's the thing. Ask JP two that in Benedict (laughs) XVI. Here's the thing, though. Like he's already left his legacy. Yeah. So. If he did retire, it's not like anything really would happen. Well, that was part of the speculation, right? right. Because he announced his final component to cur- curial reform, which 
which was what the, the Cardinals had asked him to do prior to electing him in 2013. Mm-hmm. And he announces, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to the tomb of Celestine V. He's wink, trolling everyone. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. I think that's what he's doing. He's trolling everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, tr- <laughs> he's trying to see, and not just troll everyone, but yeah. also gauge where everybody stands. Yeah. Like, who, who are my supporters, and yeah. who are calling for my resignation? Mm-hmm. What are people saying about me? I, I have to agree with that. I think that's true. Uh, I'm on the I'm on the board. I put my cards on the table. I don't think he's going to retire. Hmm. I, I think he's, I think but he's happily trolling right. the rest of everybody else. <laughs> I uh, tweeted out yesterday. I was like, and now there's uh, about zero uh, credibility to what Megyn Kelly's saying. But imagine if she's right. Imagine if all the Catholic yeah. media and all the media in Rome yeah. all get it wrong, and Megyn yeah. Kelly gets right yeah. on vacation. There's that, right? Well, it, you know the other, but the other aspect to this though is. If his health is declining faster, well, he may feel like even though he doesn't want to retire, he may have no choice in that regard. I mean, he may feel that way. He may feel like, you know, golly gee is how many liturgies can one do from a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. You know, as Pope, can he travel the world? Can he walk the halls of, of the very fancy hotel in which he lives in, in the Vatican Garden? You know what I mean? Like, can he do all these things and be effective? He may feel like he can't. And he may need to join Benedict XVI in the monastery in the backyard. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's having, true. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Imagine <laughs> having two... It's behind the hotel Pope in the backyard. Yeah. That would be so insane if we had two... Uh, two retired, po- retired popes. Li- both living. Yes. That would be, <laughs> that'd be It would chaos. be unique in history, let's just say. <laughs> that would be chaos. Now, well, that brings up the speculation that would he... Would he rejoin Benedict in the in the backyard monastery, or would he go back to Argentina? He's never been to Argentina in the nine years he's been pope. He's never been back home. Hmm. I can confidently say I don't think he'll go back to Argentina. You don't think so? I, to from, his home. From what I've heard, he's not really welcome back in Argentina. Yeah, I've heard that too. That's probably the reason why he's never been back. But let's pray for him nonetheless, and for his health, and for the future of the body of Christ. Let's go to the phones. Attorney Brent Haynes is on with us, live from Washington, D.C. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice. Now, uh, you, I hear you were visiting the epic shrine, the National Shrine there. Uh, was that your first trip to the National Shrine, or have you been there before? No, I, uh, was, I go to the shrine whenever I get to D.C. Now, I haven't been to D.C. in several years, mm. but as wonderful as that was, my real motivation for this visit is a lifelong friend uh, decided at the mature age of 51 that uh, he had a calling, and he was ordained Saturday in oh, wow. the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Wow. Praise wow. be to God. That is incredible. We'll be praying for his vocation for sure. How many men were ordained yesterday? Uh, Saturday it was oh, Saturday. five, although uh, Archbishop Lori was very excited uh talking about the prospects of 20 priests in his diocese there in Baltimore being ordained in the next few years. Oh, wow. No kidding. That's a pretty good pipeline, I would say. It's better than most. We did have a conversation uh, Arch- last week with Rhonda Gruenwald from uh, Vocation Ministries, and she was saying that out of 170 dioceses across the country, only 13 are sustaining themselves in vocation numbers. Wow. Well, I'm I'm glad my diocese is sustaining itself, Joe. 
Actually, no, Houston is not on the list. No, he's talking about Walsingham. Oh, what an area. Oh, not oh yeah. Houston, I forgot. <laughs> I, I, mea culpa, mea culpa. I forgot. We that. are blessed in the personal ordinary of the chair of St. Peter. We are so blessed with priests that if I understand it correctly, uh, our bishop uh, requires the priest to retire essentially three years early. Really? Wow. Wow. Yes. No kidding. Instead of and three years late. <laughs> that's right. Can, can we exactly. keep you on board for a little longer? Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Let's get, jump into some of these stories now. Today's a date where it could be possible the Supreme Court could come down on that Dobbs case. Do you think that will happen? It is possible. Um, you know, it really is anybody's guess. It depends on, first of all, is, it, is the opinion ready, of course. Um, traditionally, they release the uh, most famous or high-profile, to use the common phrase, cases at the end of the term, and they're not going to release all of their decisions today. They have uh, approximately um, 16 or 18 decisions left to release, I believe. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and other big, big decisions to announce. Um, normally, in a normal year, uh, one would expect that they would release the Dobbs decision on the last day. Mm-hmm. However, given the uh, turmoil that has been created, but especially the security risk against um, against the justices, uh, you know, they put up a barricade around the Supreme Court, and now, of course, we know there was a threat on one of the justices' lives. Um, they might decide to issue the opinion to get it done. You know, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. But I've seen it discussed in some of the national media that uh, they've actually pointed out, you know, what what some people perhaps were thinking, which is, you know, if one of the pro-life justices uh, who is vote who presumably is voting in 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 what looked like that uh, draft majority opinion to overturn Roe, essentially, if one of those justices were to die, then Roe doesn't get overturned. Ooh. So there's the thinking that maybe they issue the opinion and get it done. Now, Chief Justice Roberts uh, presumably was not in that majority opinion, um, but you know that there is there is that theory to do it. I think along those lines, though, Chief Justice Roberts might be more inclined, as some people have said, just to come out and issue the opinion and say, "You're not going to intimidate us. Here it is." That sounds, can I ask a follow-up question? Because that just, I mean, that kind of blows me away a little bit. I guess this is a trivial question. It should be obvious, but it seems to me they've already decided the case. They just haven't told the public yet. So you're telling me that if a judge dies before they tell the world, the decision they've already made is now invalid? They need to issue, they need, no, dis, no judgment and no order has been issued yet. Even though they have already decided it, we don't know that they've decided. Nothing's decided okay. until they issue it. You know, a judge I can see. sit in his chambers, for example, in your local courthouse mm-hmm. after uh, uh, dis- after listening to a, a long hearing or short hearing, and he could go back to his chambers and he could draft an opinion, maybe while the parties are sitting out in the courtroom waiting for his decision. And between the time he he might decide one thing, and between the time he uh, walks from his chambers back to the bench to announce his opinion, he can change his mind. So it, it's not official until it's announced. Got it. Hmm. So, Brent, lift the veil here for us here. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're on, you got the inside baseball here. So what is the process like 
I think we've talked about this in the past, but what, remind us again, what is the process like? So they, they get together, the judges get together, they deliberate, they present their arguments, and then what happens? Well, and by the way, the veil is the, the veil really um, is rarely lifted. It's sort of an it's, it's sort of an opaque veil. But well, mm. what usually happens, you know, according to historians and former clerks, is after the just first a case comes up to the Supreme Court on a petition, and they decide whether or not to hear it. If they decide to hear it, then the, they tell, give the parties deadlines to file their briefs. Once those briefs come in, they read those briefs and they'll grant oral argument. After the oral argument. They go into what is called conference, and that's where the justices do their own work. There are, there's no staff, there are no clerks, there's no nothing, and they take a vote at that point. And that is really a preliminary vote to see the lay of the land, and at that point, the opinion writing gets assigned, and the senior justice in the majority assigns the opinion author for the majority, and the senior justice in the minority decides who writes the opinion for the minority. Now, every justice can write their own opinion, and sometimes there are more than two opinions. That's what happened in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Um, and the chief justice is always senior, whether he's in the majority or the minority. It doesn't matter if he's on the, been on the court for 10 years or 10 days. He's always senior. But after that, they break and they go to their you know, individual chambers and over the next few days and weeks they continue to work on that case and their other cases and they work on drafting their opinions with the assistance of their law clerks. They circulate those opinions and the, there is debate that goes on between the judges. There's real discussion. Uh, the, branch of the, the judicial branch and especially the Supreme Court is different from the other branches of the government because the top people really do their own work. Now some justices no doubt rely on their very talented and educated law clerks more than other justices. But they don't have the staff and they don't have the ability or uh, certainly the history of delegating the way, say, a congressman or a senator uh, would delegate a lot of responsibilities and the way, of course, the president must with the vast executive branch that exists in the United States. So they write these opinions, they circulate, and they try to change each other's minds. They might not change a mind entirely, but they might get an, a justice to moderate their language in an opinion. They might get some key phrases, some key principles in, uh, included or left out, key phrases or principles that they know could be the basis for an opinion in the future. That's how justices work. That's one reason William um, uh, Brennan was so uh, effective as a justice in the, uh, starting with the Warren Court, but especially in the 60s, um, he helped, you know, he was far-sighted. You know, the, these justices know that what could, is a dissent today could be a majority tomorrow. Hmm. Not literally tomorrow, but it could be next year or in a few years. So they circulate these opinions, and as one of those opinions, the, the majority opinion, which Chief Justice Roberts authenticated, it was the draft majority opinion that was being circulated among the justices that was leaked. Wow. And then, but at a certain point, they, they, they take their final, you know, they, they, they take their final stand, the votes are counted, and the majority opinion is printed, the minority opinion is per, permit, printed, and they uh, prepare an order. Well, let's pray that none of the justices die before this, this decision is released. Not, I mean, for obvious reasons and for not so obvious reasons. How about that? We're getting down to the wire here. Attorney Brent Haynes, uh, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. Looking forward to having you on next week to catch us up on uh, maybe either this breaking story or who knows what's coming next in the next round. But uh, God bless you, Brent. 
Have a great trip back Thank you, home. Joe. Thank you. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and we're gonna play our game Fear and Trembling. We'd love for you to be a contestant and possibly win prizes. It's a lot of fun. And we encourage you to make that phone call right now at 877-757-9424. The first caller gets to be the contestant. That phone number, again, is 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. Recap the trivia questions are coming up next. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades. But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time in those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. I once had a gentleman come up to me and say he didn't think the principle of non-contradiction was true. That perhaps something could be and not be in the same respect at the same place and time. Now, skepticism doesn't get any more radical than this. The principle of non-contradiction is the principle upon which all human knowledge is based. So, how do we defend it? It's pretty simple. A skeptic can only speak against the principle if his words have the intended meaning and not the opposite. For example, if a skeptic says the principle is false, then he must intend the statement to mean what it expresses and not the opposite. Namely, the principle is true. But this presupposes the principle and thus undermines his attempt to deny it. So a skeptic can't deny the principle of non-contradiction without ending in self-defeat. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that has secrets and agendas, but you're not allowed to tell anybody. Uh, what I'm about to share with you. All right, that's the deal. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time in the process. And our callers are actually amazing. We love that. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. For your benefit, I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the question. So they don't even need to know the answers, and they could still win the game. And the reason why is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, 
one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Amen, Joe. You know, it's still June, which is the month of the Sacred Heart of our Blessed Lord Jesus. Amazing. And Mary is the safest and easiest, shortest and most perfect way of approaching Jesus. And that, that's not according to me, that's according to St. Louis de Montfort. Mm. So in order to continue this theme of the Sacred Heart, we're going to be giving away two rosaries, his and hers, made by hand by one of our dear listeners. Now, if you're watching us on our uh, social feeds, you'll see them in my hands, very beautiful rosaries. And I just want to thank the Lujan family for providing these for us to give away to our, our listeners this week. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you for doing it. We love it, and we love to give them away. Let's go to the phones. Tino, good morning to you. How are you? Tino, are you okay? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from, Tino? I'm calling from Boston. Boston? Did you say Boston, Massachusetts? No, it's actually Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin, oh, Austin, Texas. Oh, that's a lot closer to home then, praise <laughs> be to God. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we're glad you're on board today, Tino. Now, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the rules work? Tino, are you still there? I am. Yes. All right, we're going to... I am. Oh, good. Praise be to God. We're going to get started, all right? We're going to go to Rudy first, as is our custom, our tradition, our church-approved patrimony. We make the uh, traditions here, Joe. <laughs> good morning, Rudy. <laughs> good morning. Uh, no tie today, by the way. Just no tie. heads up, no tie on Rudy. So, uh, what does interp that mean? Interpret that as you will. But uh, Rudy, good morning. Are you ready? I'm ready, Joe. Are you sure? I, I mean, this think is your so. first, your first, you know, trip back to the studio, and now almost a week. I mean, it feels like yeah, it has, isn't it? Yeah, so, I, mean, I suppose. I mean, do you remember how this game works, Rudy? I think so. Okay, okay. it's like riding a bike, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, here's a good question to start us off with. Then, all right, who? Is the protectress of the Americas. Okay. You look to your left. Uh-huh. You look to your right. Okay. You look up. <laughs> That's and it's a huge <laughs> statue of Lady Liberty. She is the protectress of, of the Americas. From France? Yeah. From French Revolution France? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh... We love French Revolution. Do we? We love it. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, okay, so Lady Liberty Lady is Liberty. your answer. Mm -hmm. with a torch. And in Las Vegas, Lady wow. Luck. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There you go, It just depends. <laughs> well, that's what you get from someone from California. Uh, let's just see what we get out of Adrian, uh, mm -hmm. native Texan mm -hmm. here. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Can you tell me who is the protectress of the Americas? Yes, I can, and I and I don't even need to say glory and amen before it. <laughs> I, in fact, the protect the protectress. Easy for you to say. Yeah, I know. I can say words. I know English. <laughs> of the Americas uh -huh. is the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. So true. That sounds right. Seems pretty on the nose, but uh, let's just see here. All right, Tino. Tino from Austin, you have choices. Is it as Adrian seems to suggest the Virgin Mary is the protectress of the Americas? 
Or is it as uh, tricky, possibly, as Rudy is indicating, and it's Lady Liberty, who is the protectress <laughs> of the Americas. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tino, what say you? Oh, with Adrian. Oh, wow. Nice. Very confident, Tino. Well done. Well played. That was an easy one, right, Tino? Truly, that, he's that a brilliant, tricky. brilliant man. Yeah. I bet he has a full head of hair. I mean, he's a very spry <laughs> young man because he said Adrian. Oh, come now. Confessions are going to be uh, held later. You should try to attend. All right, congratulations, Tino. You're in the cup. You could win. Well played. It is, in fact, the Virgin Mary, who is the protectress of the Americas. <clears throat> All right, let's go to question number two. We'll start with Adrian. Uh, Adrian. That's me. What is the name given... The form of prayer consisting of psalms, mm -hmm. lessons, right. hymns, uh -huh. used by all the clergy. Oh, wow. Except all for those them? that refuse to pray. Oh, okay. <laughs> so all the ones, except the ones who don't. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Okay. So what is the name of the given, the form of prayer consisting uh -huh. yes. of psalms, yeah. lessons, yes. hymns, uh -huh. used by all the clergy? I said oh. that. Well, I that would be that. the Same Holy thing. Rosary. All oh. the clergy pray the Holy Rosary, right? Hmm. Hmm. There's not a single priest in the whole world uh, hmm. who doesn't pray the Holy Rosary. Okay, so your answer is the Holy Rosary. Mm -hmm. That's your answer. That's my answer. You're going to go with that one. The Psalter of Our Lady, oh. one might say. Oh. Well said. Okay, let's just uh, see what Rudy has to say here. Rudy, can you tell me or name for me the given form of prayer that consists of psalms, lessons, hymns, that are used by all the clergy. What do we call that? Ah, uh, yes. That's called the divine office. And you pray that at certain times of the day. So yeah. uh, they're I, bound to that, but yeah, sometimes like they I don't do it. Read so, that someplace. Uh, okay. Anyway, it's the divine office. The divine office. By the Sorry, way, you and, you and me and the lay people can, can do it too. Are Who we knows? allowed? Yeah, we're allowed. Really? Yeah. Probably huh. made up. Interesting. Okay. Well, Tino, uh, options here. It, Rudy says it's called the divine office. But Adrian says it's called the Holy Rosary. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tino and Austin, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Wise. So wise. Navigating the trickiness, Tino, with masterful uh, touch there. Praise be to God. Congratulations, Tino. You're in for two. How are you feeling? Again, right about now. Yeah, I would say so. You're sitting pretty good. Yo, uh, this could be, I'm going to be honest with you, Tino, because I'm on your team here. Uh, this next one could be the hardest question of today. For yeah, sure. This is easily the hardest question we ever had in the history of the game show. I feel like you say that every time. I don't know. I think this is easily okay. the hardest question of today, but hardly the hardest question of all time. That's how I would characterize Easily the hardest question of all time. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> that was clear. Okay, here we go. Third question. We're going to go back to Rudy first. Rudy, I know that you're an expert in all things historical criticism. Mm. Okay? Biblical historical criticism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's your thing. Yeah. That's your bag. I have a master's degree in that. Do you? Yeah. Or at least masterful <laughs> in your response. Okay, can you answer for me? What term describes the scattering of Jews throughout the world? Yes, that's a uh, it's a term called diaspora. Is that as in God took a dandelion and he just blew them all over the world? 
diaspora, like spores. How's it go? He just... Okay. Yep. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me... <clears throat> what, Maybe. What, like a dandelion. What, what term describes the scattering of Jews throughout the world? The scattering of the Jews throughout the world. Yeah, Rudy said diaspora? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the Holocaust. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Holocaust, you say? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Uh, so again, uh, I, in my defense, I did say this was tricky. But, Tino, uh, the term is, or the question is, what term describes the scattering of Jews throughout the world? Adrian seems to suggest it's called the Holocaust, whereas Rudy says it's the diaspora. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tino and Austin, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Wow. Duh. Three for three, easy, (laughs) easy. The dub button's made us back. It did. I I forgot about it, but the dub button has made a return. Tino, I'm proud of you. You did great. You did all three. Perfect score. You're in the cup. You could win. You're going to have to tune in Friday to see if it's God's holy will. But God bless you, Tino. Thanks for being on our show. (laughs) Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day. I'm going to put you on hold, so don't go anywhere, but... uh, Thanks for calling that. That might be our first Austin contestant of the of the show. I think so. I think that's right, actually. That's amazing. Surprisingly enough. Praise be to God. Thank you, Tino, calling in from Austin today. But that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. We would love to chat with you directly, interact with you directly. In fact, I'm taking a straw poll. Do you think His Holiness Pope Francis is going to retire? Let's pray for his health. Uh, but I wonder if you think he's going to retire. Comment on one of our live video feeds that you can find linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll chat with you there. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Aloysius Gonzaga. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Faith of our fathers living still In spite of touch and fire and sword Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy Whenever we hear that glorious 
precious word, faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to Thee till death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, giver of heavenly gifts, who in St. Aloysius Gonzaga joined penitence to a wonderful innocence of life, grant through his merits and intercession that though we have failed to follow him in innocence, we may imitate him in penitence. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the second book of Kings. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent envoys to Hezekiah with this message. Thus shall you say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God on whom you rely deceive you by saying that Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. You have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all other countries. They doomed them. Will you then be saved? Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spreading it out before him, he prayed in the Lord's presence. O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned upon the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he sent to taunt the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and cast their gods into the fire. They destroyed them because they were not gods, but the work of human hands, wood and stone. Therefore, O Lord our God, save us from the power of this man, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. 
Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, in answer to your prayer for help against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have listened. This is the word the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you, laughs you to scorn, the virgin daughter Zion. Behind you she wags her head, daughter Jerusalem. For out of Jerusalem shall come a remnant, and from Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not reach this city, nor shoot an arrow at it, nor come before it with the shield, nor cast up siege works against it. He shall return by the same way he came, without entering the city, says the Lord. I will shield and save this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. That night the angel of the Lord went forth and struck down 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, broke camp and went back home to Nineveh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God upholds his city forever. God upholds his city forever. Great is the Lord and holy to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, fairest of heights, is the joy of all the earth. God upholds his city forever. Mount Zion, the recesses of the north, is the city of the great king. God is with her castles. Renowned is he as a stronghold. God upholds his city forever. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. As your name, O God, so also your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Of justice your right hand is full. God upholds his city forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Alleluia, Alleluia. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs, or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That first reading, as we continue the second book of Kings, we're aware of the fact that God 
preserves the city of Jerusalem, his city. It is the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. And our responsorial psalm says that God upholds his city forever. I remember back in 1993 when John Paul II visited the city of Denver. The city of Denver was considered to be sort of the most uh, cosmopolitan and sort of up-and-coming city, sort of futuristic city, uh, being near the mountains, and yet uh, it, was, it really was sort of up-and-coming. And the whole time that John Paul II was there, now St. John Paul II, there was not one reported crime in the entire city. And it's just, you know, when we think of how busy, how busy with crime our cities are today, what is the response? It is a holy life, an innocent life. Somebody, a holy life like St. John Paul II, who would bring peace, uh, who would bring joy, who would bring over nearly a million youth to come for World Youth Day in the city of Denver. And there was no crime. They couldn't, the police couldn't believe it. But when we think about our cities today, it's that God upholds his city forever. Um, if there are those who are holy, if our cities were filled with holy people, innocent people, then guess what? We probably would have a lot less crime. It is sin, ultimately, that, uh, that brings, as Jesus says, from the heart comes murder, theft, lust, adultery, so on and so forth. So it gives us something to ponder. Our response to the crime that we see in our cities today really is a holy and innocent life. Of course, we need to begin with ourselves. And this just leads us to the gospel today. Jesus gives us three important admonitions. To not give what is holy to dogs, to do, what other, to, do, other, to, do to others whatever we'd have them do to you, the golden rule, and find to enter through the narrow gate. I'd like to focus on one of those. The first one, which sometimes is a bit puzzling to me, but do, do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine. And I think it links us with the saint today. If we think about how a pearl is formed, it is a small grain of sand that falls into the membrane of an oyster. And that oyster, it begins to secrete a material because it's irritating that membrane. And it begins to secrete this material, which then hardens. And it hardens, it only irritates that, the oyster more in that membrane, and so it produces more of this material, which then hardens, and eventually you have this beautiful, beautiful pearl that is formed. So pearls are formed by agitation. Uh, those things we, uh, we don't like. Um, little thorns in the flesh, slivers in our finger, you know. Jesus talked about the beam, in our, the beam that is in our eye, but the, the splinter is, uh, sometimes hurts more. But anyway, those things are, uh, help us in our, to, to go through the narrow gate. They end up being pearls. So when you think about the saint today, Saint Aloysius Gonzaga, and that opening prayer, which is, who, so we who have not imitated his innocence, hopefully by the grace of God, can imitate his penitence. And I think that the pearls are the result, the fruit of that penitence that we give to God. Those little sacrifices. By the way, St. Aloysius Gonzaga is the patron saint of university students, and I think he, we need his help today. How many university, how many students come out of high school, go into university and lose their faith? Lose their faith, lose their innocence. That's why St. Aloysius Gonzaga is so important. And he, he lived a life of, of penance. He came from a very, very rich family, but he gave his, his inheritance over to his brother in order to serve, he entered the Jesuits, in order to really serve, and he, particularly he served the sick, and then contracted a disease which ended up killing him in 1591. 
uh, giving his life for the Lord. But he lived a life of penance. We think the Lent is the only time we should do penance. But those little things that we do, those little offerings to God that we can give, and God gives us so many of those gifts, opportunities each day, little things. When we don't get uh, the, the when we don't get served in the lunch line that we want, you know, when somebody says something to us that we don't like, uh, when when we we accidentally slam our finger in the door, uh, we forget something, we have to go back. All these little inconveniences, these things we can offer, which are like little pearls. Now, I think the key where it's, it comes to the gospel today, or one way of looking at this is the pearl that if we if we always tell people, oh, this happened to me, and now oh, this didn't happen, right? I don't like this. You know, we're, we will be surrounded by people who will, who will like it because, well, they will not challenge us to offer that up to God, but rather like, oh, yeah, I hate that too, or I don't like this person, or your mother-in-law, or so on and so forth. And we lose the opportunity, the grace, to offer that little penance, that pearl, to the Lord. And essentially, we throw it before swine. And then they trample on it, and then we've, we've lost the opportunity to offer that little penitence. Whatever opportunities the Lord brings into our life, and those which we choose, those two things, can become great pearls that we offer to the Lord. And this way, we enter through the narrow gate. It is not a life of pleasure. It is not the lazy boy spirituality or the lazy river by which we kind of float into heaven. No, we're not floating into heaven. We're going to float downstream. We need to go upstream. But those penances help us to follow that narrow way. And may we give all, all of those little penances, those pearls to the Lord, which he invites us to offer today uh, for, this, for the glory of God, for the salvation of souls, and to, that we may become more innocent and holy. So if we've not in, uh, imitated the innocence of St. Aloysius Gonzaga, we should at least imitate his penitence. May he intercede for us. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of blessing and life. Pray for all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to the resolve, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, peoples may serve God in freedom of heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We are always mindful of the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray, too, for ourselves gathered here, those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. In the spirit of our celebration today, let us remember all university students through the inter intercession of St. Aloysius Gonzaga. They may have an increase of faith, hope, and charity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, remember those who have died, all the holy souls in purgatory. May they rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Amen.
is the scepter, is the throne. Hallelujah is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, hath redeemed us by his blood. Pray to the beloved that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Grant us, O Lord, that by the example of St. Aloysius, we may take our place at the heavenly banquet, clothed always in our wedding garment, so that by participation in this mystery, we may possess the riches of your grace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Angelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, 
Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the life of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer to the sign of peace. On this day, quitur this peccatamudi, miserere nobis. On this day, Quitulis peccatamudi, miserere nobis. Quitulis peccatamudi, donat nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. 
only say the word and my soul shall be God gave them bread from heaven. Man ate the bread of angels. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fail with never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransom soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. Let us pray. Bring us, who have been fed with the food of angels, O Lord, to serve you in purity of life, and following the example of St. Aloysius, whom we honor today, may we persevere in constant thanksgiving through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices. Who wondrous things have done in the prayer to Saint Michael. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen.
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Cedric Brezania from Holy Name Retreat Center.